Welcome to Cybersecurity Unlocked, a podcast dedicated to interviewing some of the industry's brightest minds. We will feature discussions from a wide range of subject matter experts about their careers, industry trends, and what the future holds. Hello, welcome to Cybersecurity Unlocked, episode eight. I'm delighted to be joined by my good friend, Jim Fitzsimmons. Jim has been in the industry for coming up to 30 years. Uh, he is also the director for Control Risks for Asia Pacific. Evian, thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming down. How are you My doing? My pleasure. How's the family? Good. Just, uh, you know, we had our daycation the other day, I, yesterday actually. So, oh, yeah? Um, we went from vacations to staycations to daycations. So, not trending the right way, but we're hoping we're going to get through this. Okay. So, okay. So, where did you go? Uh, Shangri-La, the big pool thing. So oh, nice. Yep. Very nice. nice. Very nice. So no rain and uh, not too much sun. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good. Good. It's good that you've uh, managed to get a break. I know it's been a pretty hectic year for most. Yes, and I think it's also the the challenge is is that just turning off, right? Yeah. So and 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 I did not bring my work phone yesterday. So, um, but it's and and as a firm, we have something that we talk about is how do you try it? It's hard to have a work life balance if. You know, you're at home all the time, and you're kind of, you know, working all the yeah. time. So, so trying to trying to, to manage that, you know, both for me and my family, but also, you know, as a firm, because it's yeah, uh, of course, you just get a little bit, you get a little bit crazy. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And how has this this year been for you? Have you noticed any um, trends in the in the cyber world? Well, look, I, you know, I think the big story that people talked about was the change in. Uh, cyber risk from working from home, yeah. and you know, you know, our view was not so much that the risk has changed, just that the risk moved. And yeah. you know, in some ways, if you think about something like um, you know, a conventional like a ransomware attack that would you know knock your whole office you know uh, off its feet, in some ways the risk is actually a little bit lower because it's just whoever's working at home is just their computer that gets nailed. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But um, but but generally, so, so certainly, you know, that's one of the bigger concerns. Um, you know, more generally, we do a lot of work around how policy and regulation in Asia Pacific affects companies and how they work. And we've seen, um, somewhat to our surprise, that those kinds of regulations have picked up steam. And so, especially, you know, and we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later. But I do a lot of work around China, where I used to live, and and uh, we've seen that become a, um, it's um, it's accelerated. And yeah. just it, it's indicative of, of how those kinds of issues are really becoming national security issues, and, and what and how that's driving that piece of regulation. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about the the role that you do with uh, control risks mm-hmm. and and how you're sort of positioned in the market against your competitors. So I, I lead our practice uh, for Asia Pacific, um, and you know fundamentally, control risk is a it's a we're a specialized risk management company, and so people tend to come to us with unique problems. And it's similar in the cybersecurity context. So we, what we tend to do is, is to work very closely with our teammates in other disciplines, either in crisis management or political risk and regulatory analysis or, you know, fraud investigations and also business intelligence and due diligence and things like that. But where we really do is we bring that tech, uh, technology understanding and, you know, fundamentally people come to us with business problems. And so, you know, we touched on this earlier, but... For example, like I don't talk to my clients around ransomware. I talk to my clients about business disruption. I don't talk to my clients about, um, you know, data loss. 
I talk about IP theft or, you know, personal data breach reporting requirements. Um, I don't talk to my clients about, you know, regulatory compliance per se. I talk to my clients about what they need to do to operate successfully from a technology perspective in companies. So we have a, it's a, it's a bit of a different practice. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, again, we're regional. And so, you know, part of why people come to us to help them solve their problems is that we have a a view that can, you know, we have a very, very strong experience and background in, in looking at China or India or places in ASEAN and understanding what those risks are in those markets around a technology perspective and being able to articulate in a way that can help businesses um, mitigate them properly. Yeah. And what, what do you think has been the, you know, the secret to your success in this region? Because there are a lot of, you know, you know, Western consulting firms that try and break into the uh, Asia market and, mm. you know, control risks seem to have positioned themselves really well and have made it, a, you know, real, it's been a real success story. And there's been a lot of, you know, big companies that have just not been able to kind of get off the ground and, and have had two, two or three attempts at it. Well, I think part of it is, is the focus on um, what we're doing and who our clients are and, and fundamentally that aspect of solving a business problem. Mm. So again, you know, if you see if, if you have a company like, you know, our, our clients are all major multinationals. Mm. And so they will come to us because they, maybe their headquarters is in Singapore, but they have a focus on their operations in Thailand. And let's say they need to understand like, so Thailand released this, uh, I mean, it's, it's been delayed because of COVID, but they have new regulations around personal information, right? right? And so, you know, they want to have an understanding of what does that mean for their operations in Thailand? How does that, you know, impact what they're doing now and what they should do in the future? We have a unique capability in terms of having the regional people who have the experience. And, you know, we have, we have you know, we work very closely with our, with our team that includes Thai people as well as um, Singaporean people who have that deep experience around the region that helps inform how we do our work. So that, so that part about, um, you know, sort of being local and understanding the markets that you work in, that's the key thing. Yeah. So if you come in and, and you know, and, and, and you bring in, you know, uh, suited and booted, you know, consultants from around the world and say, okay, we're going to do X, you have no context of what things really are like on the ground. And yeah. they're different in Asia. It's, uh, you know, how technology is developed in this region is very, very different from Europe or North America. Yeah. And so if you come in saying, okay, well, you know, if this is how enterprises should do it, this is what, this is what the risks are. It's not really reflective of how things really work here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the cultural nuances are, are, are mm. vastly different, just in different countries within Indeed. ASEAN. So, yeah, yeah no, it's... Um, and also, look, it's, um, it, these are all societies with rapid internet adoption. Yeah. Mobile-first internet adoption. Mm. And so it creates, you know... But that being said, also with... Um, and you, you'll find a lot of talent in the region, but you don't necessarily see a lot of sort of maturity around governance and processes and things like that. Mm. And so it creates this environment where the technology risks are fundament, fundamentally the same, but how they manifest themselves can be different. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it, so that part of it is, is, is really um, how we would see is it's something that differentiates from, from other firms. And, you know, I mean, other firms have, have different capabilities that maybe we don't have. So, yeah. you know, so from what I would say is for, for, for companies that have that, that need for, to solving like a, you know, a business problem around technology in, in Asia Pacific, you know, we're very well placed to answer those questions. Yeah. If they're looking to understand, you know, are we meeting our best requirements for how our firewall was set up? We're yeah. just not the right people. Sure, sure. So I guess it's just about uh, ad- adapting, um, hiring good local talent and um, staying in your lane, I guess, for, for lack of a better phrase, you know, sticking mm. to what you know, what you're good at. Yeah. And, and, and also just, um, 
it's all about empathy, really. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's all sure. about it's it's just about you know helping understand what the problem is, having the experience around understanding what those problems have been for other mm -hmm. clients, and using that to solve it for uh, for our clients now. Sure. So, how did you get started in this industry? Let's wind back a little bit. I'm keen to know. You're yeah, going how, back and going back a very long way. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> how far back are we, are we oh going? Oh my gosh! Um, I've really been doing IT in one way, shape, or form since like about 1990. So, but really started focusing on, on IT security in the late 90s. I'd lived in Vietnam, and I came back, and and mm. I. Uh, I had trouble finding a job, and so I found I wound up working for a, um, a software fire, a firewall uh, provider and uh, software based. I don't think they're in business anymore, but anyways, you know, I, I kind of I had a networking background, mm -hmm. and so that was an age when cybersecurity was about the perimeter. Mm. That was an age when like it was all about firewalls, and to a lesser extent, also identity management. And so that was really you know at that time it was building those walls and you had your walled garden and there wasn't, you know, the internet was, I mean, it was there, but it was in its infancy. Yeah. And so, you know, the kinds of uh, problems that people had were, you know, people had you know, the wrong kind of access or, you know, um, the firewall was so ridiculously set up that, you know, that it was so easy to access the inside. So that at that stage, you know, it, it was really all about that. And so it's been interesting to see because I mean, I'm doing it now. I mean, it's almost 20 years and again one way shape or form many different places but you know you know looking at identity management and going from you know those kinds of work and network architecture to changing and and being much more focused on you know the systems and the organization and the processes that build around it so taking much more of a governance focus as just as you know as as you know as your career progresses you kind mm -hmm. of start you know working with different people who have different kinds of questions so the questions went from, okay, is my firewall set up the right way? Mm -hmm. No. Um, to more questions like, you know, is my organization set up the right way? Yeah. So, you know, um, done a lot of consulting you know, for myself or for other companies, um, worked in-house before. Uh, but so it's been a long trip and, and, and here I am. Mm. So now looking at, you know, again, um, trying again to, to shift the focus away from more sort of granular technology specific problems like, is my firewall set up the right way? Mm -hmm. It's probably still not right. Yeah. Twenty years later, uh, but but to 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 look at more of these organizational problems, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I I think that cybersecurity it's fundamentally it's an organizational issue, right? Mm -hmm. The technology is just what you you know, garbage in, garbage out. It's whatever yeah. you set it to do. But sure. unless you have the right kind of, you know, unless you identify your risk and that risk you know, manifests can, can be identified and tracked and, and addressed via policies and governance, which in turn would drive the, the, the technology, you know, then you're just chasing your tail. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, And what is it about, um, you know, consulting that appeal to you over and, you know, over and above other industries? Well, you know, it, you, you just see more problems. Yeah. So you get, you don't get depth because you write your report and you walk away. Mm -hmm. when well, you hope you call they call you back but yeah. um so you you're not responsible for for fixing things per se but you're responsible for analyzing problems bringing a breadth of experience to bear that you know our clients just by the virtue they they don't have it you know in house it's very hard to do that so um you get to see a lot of different kinds of clients a lot of different kinds of sectors you get to address a lot of different kinds of problems so in that sense you know um it's interesting to me because it's clients in Thailand, it's yeah. clients in Singapore, it's clients in Hong Kong, it's clients in Australia, it's clients in China. And some of them are looking at, you know, 
what I mean that they have an organizational cybersecurity program and they want to know how well it's doing. Some of them are concerned about intellectual property theft. Some of them are concerned about compliance with with vague regulations. So that's the part that for me it's interesting because you see a lot of variety and it's very very different. Yeah. Um, new new challenges. So you're kind of always shifting gears and that's the fun of it. Mm. I mean there's the other side of it which is that you don't necessarily have the same sort of day-to-day -day stability, mm -hmm. right? Um, you don't necessarily have the same, uh, you know, you don't have ownership of fixing things, right? Yeah. Which, you know, for some people, you know, they, they like that. So I have colleagues who've gone in-house and, and, you know, some people have kind of made the round trip. Mm. Um, and there's, a, there's an element of, of satisfaction to that, which, you know, you can't deny. And yeah. you don't see that in the consulting sphere so much. Sure. But... For me, the breadth and the interest and, and all the different things is what, uh, what what I enjoy. Sure. And when you're sort of interviewing sort of uh, consultants to join you and work in your team, what are they sort of the key things that you look for? Empathy, first and foremost, right? So you really you really have to be focused on um, on understanding what the problem is, and that requires listening and those kinds of soft skills, right? The tech the technology piece it can be hard to to get to find someone who has everything, right? And especially in this market, I think you're quite aware, I mean, you know, there's a, it's a competitive market. So it's hard to, it's hard to, to find people. And so I think, you know, you kind of have to be, there's that empathy piece, right? There's that technical skills piece, but then there's also that organizational piece. Right? Again, like I say that if cybersecurity is really an organizational problem, then we all really should be management consultants to a degree to be able to, to address mm -hmm. it and handle it. Um, you know, you can't find all three. Yeah. Right. Um, so what you kind of do is you work with work, work with um, what do you think are the, the key things and that empathy piece, because if you don't have empathy, you're not really focused on solving the problem. Yeah. And then if you're not really focused on solving the problem, then you're not going to go the extra mile to learn about new technology yeah. or to do a, a more detailed evaluation of the organization. Right. Sure. So um, not easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure. I'm sure. Just wanted to, yeah, sort of touch on the the China and Vietnam. Mm. What was it that sort of attracted you to, um, you know, pack up bags and move to China? I first went to China in 1991, 92. Okay. And I loved it, right? I spent six months traveling across China. It was an, just an incredible experience, an incredible time in, in China's history. So always had a great interest. And so 2005, there I am, an identity management, you know, consultant, you know, networking background, you know, um, and I get laid off. Right. Oh dear. Big bag of money. No regrets. Packed up a suitcase, got a laptop, one way ticket. And, um, I lived there for seven years. Really? So, you know, I mean that idea that, you know, having been there before and following China in the news and seeing, you know, I mean, I, you know, I, I've, I've lived in Asia almost half my life. And so it's, you know, I have a genuine deep interest in its culture and its history and its politics and its future. So always following that and seeing, you know, how China was developing and just, wow, it's, yeah. it's hard to, you know, so very interesting. And yeah. so 2005 is a very exciting time in China. It's, um, you know, uh, people from all over the world coming and, and it's, it's incredible to think now, 15 years later, you know, how that, how the arc has gone. So that now, I mean, 15 years later, that 2005 era, it's almost like it's, a, it's another age, yeah. you know? 
Um, so anyways, so just very exciting since consulting, um, on my own, I, you know, got some interesting gigs, worked for one of my clients, you know, and, and, uh, and focused on, you know, security management, security programs there. Um, but, it, but also China can be a challenging place to live. Yeah, I'm sure. So, you know, um, I met my wife there and, you know, we have a, you know, at that time we, our first daughter was born there and at the end of it, you know, it's time for a change. Mm. So I'd also used to live in Vietnam. So mm. I went from China, well, let's just go to Vietnam and, um, great place. I mean, my wife and I were just talking about the other day, we really enjoyed living there. But part of the problem is, is that for my kind of consulting, the kind of work that I do that's really focused on organizational issues, risk management, things like that, Vietnam's not a very mature market for it. Yeah, sure. Doesn't have the same level of foreign investment that you would see in China. Certainly not at, at that time, which is 2012 or something like that. Right. So um, gave it a go. And then, um, but, you know, some things that you kind of look at it and say, okay, well, this is not going to work. Yeah. And then where to go is either, you know, for, again, for my kind of skill set and the work kind of work I do is Singapore or Hong Kong. So I, I came to Singapore and then eventually found my way back to control risks. Nice, nice, nicely done. And mm. um, what do you miss most about, you know, living in China and Vietnam? There's a certain level of excitement there. I mean, I think, again, China, I still go back to China. I mean, haven't been since the COVID stuff started. So yeah, I, I, sure. I, I've been, <laughs> I was there in January in Beijing and I just, I got back oh, wow. like 12 hours before I would have had to, really? to do a stay at home, stay at home thing. But, um, you know, in those places it's, and again, I think it's China's different because it's matured economically now to, to a degree, but you know, um, it's a very exciting atmosphere. People mm. are trying different things. People are doing different things, you know. There's, you know, opportunity, entrepreneurship, um, and also these dynamic cultures that are changing very, very quickly. So in that sense, it's very exciting. It's, mm. it's, 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 uh, it's interesting, but also it can be crazy to do business there. Yeah, sure. Right. Um, you know, when you have a young family, you think about, you know, air quality, water quality, yeah. food quality, right. That, that, you know, that when it was just you by yourself with a suitcase and a laptop, not even, didn't even register, right? Yeah. But these things, so th those things change. So, you know, and also, I mean, you know, we're very happy in Singapore. We really like it here. And uh, it's a good place for our family, but also for the kind of work that, that I do, the, cl the clients who have these sort of sophisticated problems that, you know, that, you know, these questions around risk and technology and how they operate in these societies, you know, they're here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, um, different times, different places, you know, you kind of, uh, you know, take the best of it. And then, mm -hmm. you know, as you, as you have to, you move on. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a, it's a good point. So another question I wanted to ask you as well, a common case I get in recruitment is, uh, consultants that are starting family and they're like, okay, I can't do these 12, 14 hour days living out of a suitcase, traveling all over the world. Mm -hmm. You know, give me a job in house, give me a job in a bank. So but you seem, you know, I know that you've got a young family and you seem to kind of get, you've got a really good balance and you've, you know, how do you, how do you balance that? You know, father duties and, you know, being a consultant. Look, I mean, it, it's, it all begins with, um, with working with my wife, right? So it's a partnership about, you know, any kind of family is going to work that way. And, you know, it's the life you live, right? It's, it's what you choose, right? So obviously with COVID, haven't done much travel, um, you know, this year, which is good. And, and I mean, 
I don't think that my, you know, usually I'd be on the road maybe uh, once or twice a month, right? So in a home for the weekends kind of thing. So it's not, it's not too onerous. Um, but look, there is that, that aspect of it is that that's part of the, the, the nature of the job. And it can be harder on the partner at home mm-hmm. who's taking care of the kids. So, um, you know, I think it's something that you have to manage and you have to be, have to be aware of. I think that the travel piece of it generally is for fairly easy to manage, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't, I mean, it, again, I don't think it's, 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 uh, it's not too demanding, but the part that, that I've seen in the past, and this is not necessarily with my current role, but, um, is the long hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, in some, in some organizations, long hours is considered how you get ahead and it's, it's demonstrating your work. You know, what I would say is, is that, um, you know, you're not really, you can only be productive for so long. Yeah. Right. And so you really need to, uh, and I find that my, because, you know, if you're juggling, a, a, you know, five, six, seven, eight different projects, there's always something to do. And, yeah. you know, it's like, I'll look up from my computer and suddenly it's seven thirty at night and I've been sitting in that room all day, except for stepping out for lunch. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, you're not going to be productive that way. You're yeah. not really going to, um, you're not going to be able to, to really, uh, work effectively if you're just tired and burnt out like that. So, you know, um, so with my team, what we, you know, it's it's much more focused on on not about time per se. I mean, your consultants, everything is time is money, quite literally. But um, you know, what would the focus is really on not when you have to be there and the volume of hours, but really about productivity mm-hmm. and getting things done. So, uh, but I think it's you know, as a firm, you know, uh, we were very conscious of the impact of working from home. And how that's really blurred sort of the work and life. So you know, you know, we just had a, a meeting the other week with um, our management team saying that you know people need to take time. Yeah. People, you know, it's like um, I took a few days off the end of last week, and I'll take a few days off the beginning of next week as my daughters go back to school. Mm. Um, because otherwise, I, I mean, I had all this time. People are forgetting to take holidays, aren't they? Because they yeah. can't fly anywhere, so they're just like, okay, I'm just going to work, yes. and it's. Yeah, I don't know. I think we kind of underestimate what kind of effect that's going to have on your, like you say, your productivity and you need a break. Your quality of work. Yeah, yeah. and um, so so you know what I you know any you know any time that you know if 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 you're being focused on uh, on time and as a measure of of your productivity, then I think that's a problem, mm. right? Because it really it's all about the uh, again it's all about solving the client's problem, you know, not saying okay I, I'm the superhero and I did you know. Um, eight, you know, 12 hour days in a row, that means, you know, that's a resource problem. Yeah. That means that, that there's not enough resources to go around to manage the project because it shouldn't yeah. be that way. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. No, that's a, that's a good point. Good, very good advice. Um, the other, another key thing I really want to keen to talk to you about and going back to China again, mm. because, um, you know, obviously watching, um, in the media, uh, you know, the tensions, yeah. you know, rise, you know, rising between the U S and China, what, What's your sort of uh, you know your, your take on that? Because you've got a very unique kind of position in that, that you've lived in China, you do a lot of business in China, yeah. and how have you been able to accomplish that? Well, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily impact you know my ability to do my job, but for our clients, you know, their concern is you know they want to follow what the law is in China and they want to follow what the law is outside of China, and so you know what they're seeing now is that again. China has its own unique requirements. Okay, that 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 can be adapted to. That that that's uh, that's that's doable. But where people start to get concerned is that, um, and we're seeing this now, is that now are there going to be controls on what technology can be used in China? 
Mm. And indeed, you know, and in, in China, they're looking at the same issue. Should they have controls on what technology can be used by foreign companies or what foreign technology can be used? So, you know, technology in general has become much more pervasive in our societies. So again, you know, going back to, you know, the olden days with uh, when I was, you know, working on a firewall or something like that, it's a very, very different world around how security was done and what people would think of as the, the impact. So what's really, really different now is that technology become, has become pervasive in our economies, in our societies, and our governments. And so countries are waking up to the fact that technology risk, and in many cases, is national security risk. Mm. And, you know, you see this in Singapore with the Cybersecurity Act, right? Yeah. You see this, you know, um, in China with the China Cybersecurity Law. Uh, you see that, you know, in Thailand, Vietnam, both have different variations of that. And so they're, you know, they're becoming more acutely aware of the risk that, that's involved. And so what's happening is, is that we're seeing a rise of regulation because fundamentally that's what governments will do, right? Yeah. They'll, set, they'll set their rules around, around managing that risk. And so, and I, I mean, I, I think that's, um, although it, it can be problematic for our clients, because it becomes it becomes you know fundamentally a compliance problem, which is always a headache. Yeah. But um, it's the right thing to do, yeah. right? It's not. I mean, if you're really worried about your national security, you want to have the rules in place that that's going to protect that information or protect sure. those systems. And that could be water, power, yeah. banking, telecoms, all these systems that are that we see are just being increasingly targeted by attackers, cyber criminals, possibly nation yeah. states, conceivably, right? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, um, we're at the beginning. The trend is, is you know, people talk about the splinter net. I, I think that's the wrong analogy. I would just think that um, increasingly we're going to see how technology is used it will be more regulated, how information is collected will become more regulated, but critically, how information is transferred will become more regulated. And mm. so, you know, our clients who maybe have operations in China who want to, you know, send their information outside of China, they're going to have to start thinking about the right governance to review if that information is legal to be to to be sent out of China. Right, yeah, sure. Right, and you look at the flip side in the United States. They focused on you know um, social media applications and the personal data of U.S. citizens. It's the same process. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I, I somewhat ironically is that you know. China has, has developed this this regulatory regime very very quickly, whereas the U.S. is still is still you know um, moving slowly and fitfully towards something like that. Um, you know, and that reflects different political cultures, right? So uh, and and but what we talk to our clients about is that um, expect more. Yeah, this is not ending. This is only beginning. Really? Yeah, yeah. Was, that was another thing I wanted to ask you as well, about as well was you know that what's your take on you know TikTok and WeChat? Mm. Uh, being banned by India and U.S. Yeah, you know, again, it's 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 fundamentally it's a national security concern. Is that concern valid? I don't know. I mean, um, you know, uh, you know, I mean, like a twenty three year old on TikTok is that is that a national security risk? But as if it if it's twenty million twenty twenty three years old on TikTok, you think about um, one thing that people are really only starting to look at are influence operations. Mm. Right. So think about 2016 United States elections. Right. We've seen this happen in uh, in the region, in, in Malaysia, unsuccessfully the last electoral season. Um, but we've seen this happen in Indonesia. Uh, you've seen it in, in, a, in a much more 
frightening way in places like Myanmar and India, where um, you know information misinformation, either deliberately or in some, I mean, most of it's deliberate, but um, can be used to affect public opinion. Yeah. And so the other part of that, that's why you see the, the rise of these laws around content online, um, which is a very, very tricky thing to manage yeah. for, for companies, right? So, you know, again, you know, our clients are companies that, that you know, by and large want to make sure that whatever market they're operating in, um, they comply with the law. But the concern is, is that by complying with the law in one country, could they could they possibly have some kind of either a violation or maybe some kind of reputational impact in another? So not an easy question um, because all this is very, very new, but it's moving very, very quickly. Yeah. So it's, it, that's an interesting part of our business. And so uh, we look at that um, for our clients in, in, in depth. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I was really yeah, interested to get your, your point on that because I know, you know how long that you've spent there and I know that you do a lot of work there, but... Um, Seems like yeah, business is still thriving for you, which is uh, great. Great to hear. Hope so. And what are your yeah, what are your plans for the rest of this year? Are you um, still hoping to get away somewhere? Uh, <laughs> maybe another vacation. I you know, I don't expect that we'll be traveling um, in twenty twenty, unfortunately. But uh, we'll see about twenty twenty one. But you know, take more time off. Yeah. Um, have two phones, one work phone, one personal phone, so you can leave the work phone, but still have the personal phone. Um, yeah, so just you know, try to have longer weekends. Um, you know, our year ends in in March, so I have days to, to take off. So I don't know, Christmas, something like that, but probably won't be going anywhere. Okay, well, it's great to see you again, and thanks so much for taking the time to come down. And um, yeah, I'll catch up with you again soon. My pleasure. Thanks very much, again. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Cybersecurity Unlocked is also available on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to get the latest updates.